Hello, and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for new and returning readers with conflicted Harry Potter feelings. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a reluctant fan. I'm Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a lost fan. And I'm Zoe, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a slightly excited, if jaded, fan. And this week we are diving into the good and the bad of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Uh, chapter 1, The Riddle House. Chapter 2, The Scar. Chapter 3, The Invitation. And Chapter 4, Back to the Burrow. We're back, and we're in it. We're back <laughs> at it again at Harry Potter. And not at Krispy Kreme. <laughs> um, if only. For those of you who don't remember Vine, just Google back at it at Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it's on YouTube. We have some overall thoughts, and some of the thoughts overlap. How about we the... get E's general overall impression of the beginning of this book? Yeah. Please. As compared to the others, or... All right. Number one impression. Oh my god, this book is so big. It's, it's <laughs> a big boy. This is something that Zoe and I both mentioned uh, in our just like writing down notes, which is I hate holding big books and apparently Zoe loves it. <laughs> I do not like the act of holding and reading a big book. I like I like it as you get further into it and it's more even on each side. <laughs> That's fair. The next thing obviously, is that uh, the first chapter is not the opening chapter in the style of the first three books. Uh, the first chapter is not about Harry. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that while I was reading it, and the first chapter of the first book is also not from Harry's well, perspective, but it is yeah, about it's, Harry. So. It's about Harry. And this is completely not. Yeah. I mean, he's mentioned in it, but... <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a departure, though. Yeah, it's like, it's darker in tone. It's a, like, almost completely unrelated mm -hmm. event to, like, Harry's personal And it's timeline. told from the perspective of people that don't know what's happening. So yeah, it feels of just a like, completely random yeah. character. I do think that that's the biggest departure, because even in the first book, the first chapter is told from a third-person perspective mm -hmm. of people who know what's going on. Like, it's yeah. told about the Dursleys, but like it's an absent, it's an absent, it's an absent narrator. That's like, Yeah, but it's an absent, informed narrator, whereas this chapter is not. It's just like, this is people talking in the village about what's happening, and then you get everything from Frank's perspective. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it only lasts one chapter, and then uh, back at the Dursleys. Yeah, this will be a thing that happens in the books as well, but it's always only just the first oh, cool. chapter. Compelling, like, introductory chapter, and then, ah, oh, Beans. I think there is something new in the well in the fifth book. I agree. The fifth book, J Dursley chapters are important. The, f the mm -hmm. Dursley chapters in the first, like, after book one are not really important until you get to book five, and then they are important again. And, like... Even in six, they're not as important. No. But in five and seven, they're important. Yes. So you yeah. kind of like have to set up the well and keep refilling it so that you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to extend the metaphor. It's just like she has this formula where it's like, all right, Harry has, we have to start with Harry at the Dursleys in the summer. And then we have to get on the train to Hogwarts. And then we have to play out the school year. And like then we in, have a climax. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't know what happens throughout this book, but... Well, she's already deviating from formula a little bit with yeah. the fact that he's not starting by going back to Diagon Alley or the train. He's going right. to the burrow, which he did right. in book two, but this is 
right. earlier in the summer and yeah. <laughs> other adventures are going to happen. The point before. being that just like, yeah. man, I hate the Dursley, like the Dursley writing. I just, it's a disappointment every time. Yeah. So that's the overall uh, impression. A little bit sour. Should we talk about the fat phobia or do we want to? I guess. Yeah. I mean, the fat phobia, it's, it's not egregious in the way that like. Really? Not it, not in the way that it is in book three, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I was going to say not in the way that it has been before. It's still bad and it's, it's bad extre- in a It's way. still extremely bad, but it's not. A little mm, less focused on Dudley, I guess. It's less focused on his literal physical attributes of his body and just keeps comparing him to like a killer whale yeah. which by the way killer whales are like the sleekest possible whale she could have chosen to make that comparison <laughs> to they are literally dolphins like predator animals <laughs> which is wild i think the reason this hits me way harder it's the diet stuff yeah it's the oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it is all like it's all bound up in the same right it's all part uh, yeah. of the fat phobia conversation but we've moved on from just fat phobia to it's the eating stuff is it's really it's really bad. It's really bad. They're starving Dudley. Yes. It's just flat out they are starving him and yes. Harry and also themselves I suppose although they are adults and could go and eat when Dudley is not watching. Right. But they are literally yeah. starving him. It's moved from like cartoonish like overly gross descriptions to like actual serious harm Mm -hmm. yeah which there is absolutely no reason to have that in the book no it doesn't it doesn't need to be here like the the series is growing up from you know children's lit to ya but we don't need to (laughs) grow up the fat phobia yeah i will say that this is like a pretty accurate depiction of what was common at the time right right yeah for kids and adults who were Severely overweight, as determined by their doctors, whether or not they were fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were told to do calorie restriction. Yeah. Which creates a really fucked up relationship with food, of course. Yeah, you end up with a lot of teens with eating disorders. Which is a huge thing in and of itself. And the fact that, like, boys with eating disorders is also a huge thing that's not just talked about in yep. society. But the other thing here is just the medical fact that calorie restriction to this degree actually makes it harder for you to lose weight because your body goes into shock and you have no energy to do it it makes it worse and even if you do lose weight you will lose weight because you are not eating your body when you start putting the weight back on which is inevitable will then not lose that weight because it assumes that you are going to starve it again bodies Mm -hmm. are smart it starts hoarding it starts hoarding and so it makes it really difficult to lose the weight again So there's just like, obviously she did no research. Obviously, obviously she did no research on this. And many, 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 many authors don't do research on this. And you see fucked up relationships with food in all sorts of books at all sorts of ages. But this depiction in particular, I think, struck me harder than that in book three. Because of the combination of aspect of like the description of looking like a pig and massive backside and taking up a whole side of the table on his own and also the forced starvation yeah it's just it's horrible yeah that's fair i had only been thinking about the 
text descriptions being a little bit less bad, but you're right. The eating stuff is just incredibly fucked up. Uh-huh. The other thing that I will say is the other problem I have with this, and I'm just going to spoil this, is that this combined with boxing works for Dudley. Uh-huh. And in book five, you see him and he's boxing like, not the sport. Boxing yeah. the sport. Yeah. But like, it starts here with the calorie restriction and with the starvation and it like kicks Dudley into gear and he discovers boxing and he gets not fit in sort of the traditional terms, but built. Yeah. And you hear that description of him. He's like a, he's a strong man by the time you get to the next book. And so the fact that th- what she is saying is that calorie restriction works to kick your ass into gear to lose weight because I know what's coming in book five and that description, I think hits even harder. Yeah, uh-huh. she's portraying it as if it works. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, we dived right in there. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, Harry apparently has a fridge under his floorboard because he's keeping <laughs> all sorts of perishable foods down there, apparently. I assume that at least the ones from Molly, she cast a preservation charm on. I guess. And this, I thought this, I figured the snacks from Hermione are like probably packaged stuff. Pr- and sugar yeah. free. But he had four fucking cakes. Yeah, how do you keep four cakes? And again, I assume the ones from Sirius and Molly and maybe Hagrid had preservation charms. But like, under floorboards in a house without air conditioning. Presumably not in an airtight container. In not an airtight container. Are you telling me that Hermione's cake didn't immediately go moldy? Also, like, what the fuck? Did Did you pry up the floorboard and then like, line it and clean it yeah how are you yeah. keeping those cakes <laughs> what are what are they in all of these things would be solved if we didn't have the diet happening and yes or if we just didn't have the dursley chapter <laughs> didn't have the dursley chapters uh there's so many things that i wish i could say but i won't uh there's also a very very funny line where uh jkr through harry tries to explain what a playstation is oh my god <laughs> which is incredible it's Please great. read it. Okay, so this is, uh, Harry is writing a letter to Sirius. They told Dudley they'd have to cut his pocket money if he keeps doing it, secretly eating carbs. So he got really angry and chucked his PlayStation out the window. That's a sort of computer thing you can play games on. Bit stupid, really. Now he hasn't even got Mega Mutilation Part 3 to take his mind off things. <laughs> <laughs> Does Sirius know what a computer is? <laughs> Probably not. I don't think any mug or any wizards know what like electronics are. And Sirius was like is a pure blood who was raised in a comp- very very like strict pure blood family, and then, and was then went prison to prison for, for 12, years. twelve years. So he does not know. He would have missed the rise of computing entirely, yeah. even if he was in even if he was a normal person in normal jail. Uh, great. It's great. I love how little effort she puts into everything. It's inspiring. (laughs) I think one of my big overall thoughts is, even including that sentence that's super silly, Harry actually feels like a kid in these chapters. Yeah. Which is something I I really found that I appreciated. And I think that this is the Harry that I have in my memory, is the Harry from like the back half of book three on. Uh Because... He's become a person now. He's become a person. Yeah. Books one and two, he's not a human. He, He doesn't have... 
thoughts or feelings. Yeah. Basically, yeah. he is just a cipher for the audience and for Detective Harry. But in the back half of book three, when once he learns about Sirius, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. In the back half of book three, and then in these chapters, he's a real person. His reactions feel human. Like when he gets the reaction where he's like sounding out what he thinks Ron and Hermione would say mm-hmm. about the scar hurting, which by the way, it's very cute. It's very cute. And he's thinking in their thoughts. I've totally done that before. Mm-hmm. I have yes. totally done that before. Maybe <laughs> oh, not yeah. with my friends. I feel like I've done it with my mother. I've like stood in the kitchen and been like, what would my mother do about this? thing that is on fire or whatever um i don't usually set things on fire in the kitchen but you know what i mean (laughs) you're not Seamus finnegan no i'm not but i just the way that he reacts there and the way that he reacts even to his uncle i think that like the author finally makes it clear that harry has a leg up against the abuse that he suffered as a child like Mm -hmm, he has power in this relationship now and the way that he uses that power feels very teenage boy to me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid of talking back. Uh, yeah. They're talking about his clothes and, and t- Vernon is saying, like, put the clothes on your back. And Harry says only when Dudley's finished with them. And like, he's not afraid to push back now in a really teenage boy way. He gets really yeah. excited about things. I just feel like he finally is a person. It reminds me of the similar bit in the beginning of book two. Where Harry mm-hmm. is like pushing back about the um yeah the Hogsmeade book thing, three, but this yeah. one or book three, yeah, yeah, but uh, this one actually feels like real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he has like leverage <laughs> that he didn't have before. But... He has leverage, but he's also just a human again. I I enjoy his interactions with the Weasleys when they show up. The fact that he's yeah. like making eye contact and like trying not to laugh. And he wants to stay and see the end of the fight. But like the little things in these chapters make him feel like a whole person in the way that he didn't for so long. And I think that this book really shows off how much of a person he's become. Yeah, that part's that part's good. That's an interesting thing to think about because I'm just thinking about when I read like middle grade and like junior fiction, I always appreciate when an author is really good at like getting into a child's mind and like Mm -hmm. showing the perspective of a child and it's not a thing that I ever really thought about before but JKR is not (laughs) not Mm -hmm. good at that and that's probably why the like he doesn't feel like a person in the first few books yeah you're right I mean she's not good at she's better at like third person stuff and like less more objective third person stuff She's good at at moments and like letting things breathe and letting the reader sort of infer what's going on in the character's head. But this is yeah. the first time that you actually see like small reactions throughout a chapter section. Yeah. Joe personality. I th- think she's probably not that great at like consistently being able to consistently get in the headspace of a particular character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably a similar reason why the characterization of Hermione suffered a ton in book three was just because yeah. she needed certain things to go certain ways for the plot Mm -hmm. even if it didn't make any sense if you're thinking from the perspective of Hermione yeah and it just shows that she's like not super good at that and but she is like Zoe said she's very good at moments and the stuff with Harry gets better yeah it really does um the one thing that I think that is a big miss 
is after being introduced to the Dursleys at the train station or whatever at some point, and after in book two, hearing that the Dursleys were starving Harry and he had to be rescued because there were bars on his window. Yeah, literally rescuing him from, yeah. from house arrest. And, like, in book three, wouldn't have Ron told his parents that, like, the Dursleys never signed whatever or whatever, whatever the situation yeah. is. Surely Harry has confided more in Ron about the yeah. cruelty of the Dursleys. For Molly to then write, I'm sure you've heard a great deal from Harry about my son yeah. Ron. As Harry might have told you, are you fucking kidding me? The Weasleys are not that dumb. They yeah. are depicted as so infantile in the first parts of this yeah. book where, like, Mr. Weasley's so excited and he just assumes that the Dursleys know all about it. Why the fuck would they assume that? Two years ago, they were starving Harry and put bars on his window. I can sort of read the letter as, like, a intentional ploy on Molly's part yeah. to, like sound normal mm -hmm. and fine and like lull the dursleys into being okay with this but i don't think that's what the author intended and i don't think no, it works think so. um although we do get to see her signature which i have put into the general oh. chat so you can see the typeface yeah. that was used and we'll put that into the into very um, cute a tweet. very it's, loopy loopy writing yeah round and and warm i would describe yeah. her signature as so i think we've pretty much covered some specific stuff but also general thoughts adela do you have any big general thoughts about the start of this book i think i i the only general thought i have is is less of a general thought and it's more about chapter two so i think we can go okay, back go back to the beginning yeah and look at chapter one <laughs> <laughs> chapter one the riddle house the first chapter that is does not start from harry's perspective nor from any or, character yes. we know so far until wormtail mm -hmm. shows up little little yeah. Pendleton. <laughs> very cute nice pretend british name pretend british town name it starts off i don't know i assume she started writing her pseudonym mystery stuff after well after yes. harry potter but it yes. starts off almost feels as, like a murder mystery it feels mm -hmm. like the beginning of a mystery novel yeah mm -hmm. where you set up the the location and the mysterious event that happened many years it's ago so, it's so frustrating because actually she's a competent mystery writer yeah yeah i'll stop there because i just like yeah God. but yep. yeah it, it frustrates me because we have lost a very competent mystery writer and there aren't a lot of those out there anyway yeah <laughs> this first chapter is pretty good it's interesting you get to see a whole new perspective a whole new setting the descriptions of the like the physical descriptions in here are pretty good so e what did you learn from this chapter yeah well. let's start there <laughs> what I would like uh... to I've learned that Tom Riddle and his parents died. Mm -hmm. I My guess is that... See, I don't remember because I've blocked book two out of my mind completely. <laughs> I don't remember if Tom Riddle existed and was had his identity usurped by mm. Voldemort. And this is like the original guy. Or if Tom Riddle was a person created from whole cloth by Voldemort. Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm. Which have different implications for what this is. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't remember anything. <laughs> like, is it, it? Do we find out in this book? No. Mm hmm. We do? Mm hmm. Okay. <laughs> Zoe's, like... Zoe's trying very hard not to say something. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> 
um, Adela, I'm gonna DM you real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a big deal to just say who they are. But, okay, I'll read your DM first. Oh, yeah. Should we keep that a secret then? Yes. Okay, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> All right, time to wait. <laughs> wait for this entire bookie. Okay. I would yeah. say it's worth going back. Is it? It's worth going back, and I will just I will just say his name out loud. So when Tom Riddle of the diary uh-huh. says, I am and my whatever, my future, my past is Voldemort, he spells out his name yep. in glowy letters and rearranges it. In French, that is, it's Tom Elvis Riddle, so that uh-huh. they can rearrange it to Je suis. Je suis, yeah. In English, it's Tom Marvolo Riddle. Yes. <laughs> That's a thing to keep in mind, that there okay. is an assumption that you know. That's all I'm going to say. Wait. What does his middle name? Uh-huh. Eh. <laughs> you know, now I'm uh-huh. even more confused. But anyway, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, your question about like not knowing if this is like stolen identity or whatever, you'll have to wait till the end of this book to okay. discover it was that. Not, um, it's not something I should be remembering. No, book too. you should no. not be remembering it. The only thing you should be remembering is that the ghost of tom riddle from the diary said his full name was tom marvolo riddle yeah that's all you need to know and it's not supposed to give anything away another question from book two do we know whether tom riddle the student attended hogwarts from his first first year we don't know that from book two but it's not a spoiler to say yes yeah okay okay i forgot that you didn't we didn't know all that stuff when we first the first time we read (laughs) through the books i was like oh huh interesting It's, it's so wild to go back I do now remember being very confused by this first chapter when I first read it. And I thought that when it says, like, uh, oh, ah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm trying to decide whether or not to say this. I'll just say it. Like, it's a part of the book that you read. You read it. In the chapter. It's in the chapter. When... When Frank is talking to the police and he's like, I didn't like I didn't do anything. All I the only thing I saw around there was a like skinny, pale teenage boy. Yeah, that was the next thing I was gonna mention. And I was like, I was always confused by that when I read it the first before more books came out when I read it a few times. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's the implication that the riddles died of a by by a means uh, that the police autopsy could not discover. It looked like they died of pure fright, although the book says that's, like, implies that's impossible. It is possible. You can die of fright. You have a heart attack, usually. You can uh, have a heart attack or, like, a, a, a adrenaline adrenaline surge. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's happened. I assume that there's some sort of magic involved, because that's the series we're reading. <laughs> Um, I do I do love the name of the pub. The local pub is called The Hanged Man. Yes. Great. Again, it's such a such a loss for the book yeah. world that this mystery writer doesn't exist <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, so the point being it's just a perfect little British mystery town with like the great name and the great pub. It is. It's a very, very like well crafted like little brief sketch of a of a British town it reminds me of um Anthony Horowitz uh mysteries Mm. I was gonna say it reminds me of um hot fuzz (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually similar 
I I love I love hot fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I am not I am not from England, so all I know about English towns is like Untitled Goose Game and Hot Fuzz. You know what? <laughs> I bet those happen in the same town. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Amazing. Um, what else did you learn, E? Uh, so there's Frank, who mm-hmm. is the perspective character for this chapter, who was the gardener for the riddles, and the entire town, like, through the course of, like, one long gossip-filled evening, decides that he did the murders. Which, like, that, yep. Relatable. That's how, like, that's, I, that's deeply how... Deeply relatable. That's how things work. That's how conversations go, where you, like, you just mm. start circling round and round the the drain... Until everyone agrees that, like, yeah, this person's actually a terrible, cold-hearted murderer. When the initial frustration was, like, he didn't come over for tea. Mm -hmm. Like, one time. (laughs) It's very funny, because a couple people push back, and they're like, Frank, never! he, He had a hard war, he likes the quiet life. And then, just a few people are like, well, I always thought he looked funny, and... Uh, war yeah. turned him oh, funny and horrible horrible temper um, yeah by following morning hardly anyone a little hankleton doubted that frank bryce had killed the riddles uh i don't think anything else you learned <laughs> you keep you're poking me very suspiciously <laughs> well it's a we learned like i, I just I, I, i'm sentence. interested in what you think about the stuff we learned about like yeah so he tail and all that going on yeah uh <laughs> Side note, it's interesting that they that the author has switched entirely from Peter Pettigrew to Wormtail. Oh my god, I'm so glad that you mentioned this. So I have to jump in here. Um, my friend Julia, who texts me, like actually live texts me when she's listening. Bless you. Hi, Julia. <laughs> anyway, she texted me and she had some really interesting thoughts about, and I was actually chatting with Adela about this, um, about like why it is that Voldemort uses... Wormtail and why the author changes entirely over from Peter Pettigrew to Wormtail. And Julia had some really interesting thoughts that I think we can talk about now because they're not usually, they're not really spoilers, but we Mm -hmm. might want to revisit later. So Julia's theory, and Julia, correct me if I'm wrong, but Julia's theory is that it is debasing Wormtail. Like this is the childhood nickname and I'm going to twist it and use it for my, to show you how much power I have. So it was because Voldemort's choice to do that. It's Voldemort's choice to do that because, like, why else would he know what Wormtail's, what Peter Pettigrew's teenage nickname was based on his animagus form? Like, it's it doesn't I, really work. I thought that it was, like, Peter Pettigrew decided to assume the name because he wants to appear, like, more, more, evil. more powerful, more, like... Yeah. Um, he that wants to model he, modeling himself after Voldemort. He's like, I'm going to take this name instead of my dumb human name. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that he would have like showed up in front of when he like volunteered, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. he volunteered. He wasn't coerced into this, remember? Yeah. Um, yeah. That he would have showed up and been like, I'm an unregistered animagus and you can call me Wormtail and like look yeah. how powerful I am. And Julia's argument was that like Wormtail's attracted to power, but he generally doesn't brag. Yes, that is true. And I think that within this book and within some of the stuff that you learn in here, I think I would actually push against it and say that he absolutely does brag. But I'm mm. not sure that he would have bragged about that because I think Voldemort knows that Wormtail is not smart enough to become an animagus on his own. Yeah. So does Voldemort 
know or knew did he know whatever whatever the past tense that i'm saying (laughs) about james and sirius you mean about them being at anime guy yeah um it's not clear he knows about he knows about the friend group because yeah he knows about the friend obviously but i'm not sure that he actually knows about james and sirius animagus forms like why it's very clear later that other people don't know about sirius's animagus form yeah so I just, it seems weird that Wormtail would then go and say, like, I can turn into a rat. And, like, he never seems to mm-hmm. around Voldemort. And so then, like, why would he have this name? It's just a really, <laughs> like, E, that's a good point that you bring up of, like, why is it suddenly Wormtail? I, <laughs> all right, here's my crackpot theory. Do between, it. between writing books three and four, J.K.R. Uh, read or reread Lord of the Rings and got super obsessed <laughs> with Grima Wormtongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, because that's honestly that's how I read Wormtail in this yeah. chapter is Same. is the exact kind of like pathetic, um, sniveling, mm-hmm. simpering like. He has less power servant, than Wormtongue, yeah. though. Sure. Yeah. Much less. But, but same character. Yeah. But same personality, which <laughs> is like sort of how he's portrayed at the end of book three. Yeah. Really sort of. I like that yeah. theory. That's my theory. <laughs> Also because I just watched Fellowship of the Ring recently and yeah. Also not uh I don't it's not a spoiler to just realize that um we never see him turn into a rat again in the rest yeah. of the books ever. Yeah. And he's around Voldemort for the rest of the books. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, of all the animal to our forms fictional Patreon for a podcast entirely about how Gimli and Legolas are a beautiful couple. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sirius and Remus are a beautiful couple, and the four of them are best friends and go on <laughs> lots of double dates. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, while we're on the subject, uh, shout out to um, one of my favorite new podcasts, Shadow Facts, F A C T S, which is a podcast about Lord of the Rings and specifically about horses. Uh, I need to listen to that still. I forgot that that is a thing. The hosts are delightful, and it is very funny to hear them slowly lose their minds as they try to count the horses in like huge battle scenes (laughs) (laughs) incredible you know what somebody's got to do it somebody's (laughs) got to do it and they're doing and they're doing a great job um anyway so what did you learn about voldemort and worm tongue worm tail (laughs) aside from him being named Wormtail now because there's a whole bunch of like weird expositiony sort of conversation here it's weird yeah nagini the snake is here that's weird. Um, <laughs> I've the only context I've heard about Nagini is from the terrible. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's all that I know about this snake is that uh, they made a movie where she's in it and she's terrible and it's terrible. Um, not canon. Not my opinion. Canon. <laughs> I'm yeah, just not canon. Go out on a limb and say not canon for all. Yep. A whole um, bunch of reasons. Yep. I don't know how you milk a snake, and I don't want to find out. <laughs> I would assume that it's venom. To be I also honest, would assume, assume it's that venom. it's venom. Uh, but b- bad in any case. Real bad. Um, um, what about his plans? They're obsessed with something about the Quidditch World Cup, which is very funny. <laughs> to just like hear a supervillain talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the author goes a little bit too far on like, huh, what's all these new words that I don't yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that on this read too. I was like, it's not like that out of the 
out of the world what out of this world what am i trying to say to to um hear a word that you don't know especially with like the names of things like the yeah, names of like, yeah. the organization like the quidditch world cup is the thing that frank was like what but Whoa? couldn't like, that just be a un like there are there are organizations with names that i don't know what the word is yeah i think that actually it would have been funnier and more apt to Frank's age if he had said, like, in the third-person narrative, instead of saying, um, owing, no doubt, to a buildup of earwax, he had heard the word Quidditch, which was not a word at all. (laughs) I wish that instead it had said, like, Quidditch, that sounds like something from X country that Frank thought he recognized from the war. Yeah, like, that sounds sounds German, or... Yeah, like, oh, that sounds like that town, Frank was wondering if maybe they were going to Germany next, because that sounds like that town in Germany where he was, you know, shot down, or whatever. That would actually have been a much more interesting statement to make. What she's trying to do here is, like, the filter in the the words that are... Yeah, which is wild, because you don't... Nobody starts reading a series at book four. No. (laughs) Like, nobody does this. Sometimes with films, you watch one before, like, starting the series, but nobody does this with books. You don't need to explain these terms. It's fine. <laughs> um, but she does. Also, she doesn't explain them in this chapter. She just says, these are weird words. Yeah. <laughs> well, she does, but she does it in the next chapter with Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's this, there's this really long conversation between Wormtail and Voldemort that's, like, mostly uninteresting. They're talking about some plan for Harry Potter. Voldemort insults Wormtail a lot. There's somebody mm-hmm. named Bertha Jorkins. There sure is. Uh, just an incredible name. There's um, a hint. Um, I'm not asking you to do it alone. By that time, my faithful servant will have returned. Um, yes. Will have rejoined us and then Wormtail. <laughs> I am a faithful servant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there's a hint of of a character to come. Yep. It's pretty clear that, like, what's happening here is she's setting up foreshadowing for plot points later in the book or later in the series. Hey, this time it's actually all going to be later in this book. Yeah. It feels kind of clumsy, to be honest. Like, I like this part much less than the beginning of the chapter. Mm. Yeah. Um, Because this is just like, let's have the villain do a, a... clumsy monologue about all of his secret plans yeah right in front of the you know a third person reader so we can find out what's about about to happen and be spooked about it voldemort does give some clues so wormtail says you could have modified her memory speaking of bertha jorgens and um voldemort says that he actually broke a memory charm to learn what he learned from her so that's important to know he also says that his faithful servant is at hogwarts um, and then the other thing to remember is that this is not just from Frank's perspective. Harry may not remember the dream, but this is actually happening in Harry's head. Yeah, Harry also gets some of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. He does remember the dream. Yeah. I think this is much weaker to me than the opening of book three, which is similar. Like within the first few chapters, you get the tidbits of the serious Black story and the foreshadowing like the newspaper picture with all the Weasleys in it. And mm-hmm. you get this information about uh, Sirius Black being related to Harry's parents and 
like that information filters in in that book in a much more natural feeling way Mm -hmm. rather than just right it's chapter one let's sit you down and give you some details Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair it is a very like steep fingers villain monologue it is which is fine speaking of steep steep steepling fingers uh voldemort has a body voldemort has a, a something has a as a means has a means to hold a wand at least has a means yeah. to hold a wand and converse mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. is new in the series so far so at least ahead cuz you can do things like holding a wand with your teeth <laughs> true um, enough i mean that's I how just, a lot of yep. that's how disabled people do stuff sometimes yeah if they don't have access to their arms he could have so, his toes holding the wand yeah yeah, at least has a head. At least has a head. He could stick it behind his ear. Yeah. Um, and apparently it's so horrifying to look at that you'd, like, freak the hell Harry out. Harry can't remember what he looks like, and Frank and describe, was too scared to describe it to us before he died. Yeah, you learn later, and it's not as gross as you think it is. Unfortunately. Still pretty gross, though. Still pretty gross, <laughs> let me be clear. But, like... <laughs> Honestly, for how like horrifying the series has dipped into at some points i that's a little bit of a disappointment (laughs) that it doesn't turn out to be it's more gross than scary Mm, that's fair okay that's the end of chapter one yeah then we have or like all i was gonna say was this is that like um I, i just wanted to discuss is the previously on portion of this chapter uh huh of the scar chapter two the scar better or worse than book two and three previously on chapters i think that in some ways some parts of it are better i think that the way that it's some of the things that are being are we're being reminded of are directly related to things that are happening to harry in the moment like um his scar hurts so he thinks about past injuries and like Quidditch because he's thinking about the World Quidditch Cup. Quidditch because and... he's thinking about the World Cup. And then like we get introduced to his friends because they sent him, or because they're he's thinking about what they would think yeah. in response to this. Um, but then like the whole background of uh, what happened to him as a baby, like we did not need to get that again. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's better than um, these sections have been before. But again, nobody's, nobody starts reading a series at the fourth book. She did not need to yeah, and no other series that I have read does this. So the series I would compare this sort of thing to is like serialized books like the Boxcar Children or like yeah. Um, yeah. Babysitter's um, Club. But those are ones Club. that you don't read in order. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's why they have this style yeah. of exposition in the front is that you can just pick up one of them and you get like two paragraphs of like, right, so these kids... Also, those are the type of books that I feel like this writing is a lot like a lot of the time. Exactly. I think that we are missing some context though, because as, so for those of you who haven't, who are jumping in in book four, because you hated the first three books or whatever, back in book two, we had a friend of mine on who is both British and um, a self-identifying Slytherin. Bo is her name. And she talked about how like Snape didn't bother her as much as Snape's Snape bothers us, and we're going to discuss a whole thing with Snape in a future episode about fandom <laughs> a little bit, because it's, I, I dropped something into our chat about, for those of you who remember this term, Snape No, lies. why are we talking um, about it now? We, are, we aren't, don't worry. 
but she was saying that Snape doesn't bother her as much as I think it bothers us because Snape is a caricature that is common in British school fiction. School right. fiction meaning covering the five to seven years of boarding school. And I think that maybe, I don't know that genre. And so I can't yeah. say whether or not this is true, but it's possible that true. that genre, even though it is sequential, one through five or one through seven or whatever, it's possible that they have this kind of chapter at the beginning of each mm -hmm. one because you could yeah. jump in and be like, oh, what's yeah. this book's mystery about? It just definitely feels like one where it feels like the kind of writing you put in a series that doesn't have an overarching story. And this series does. Yeah. But I do think that maybe she's modeling it on that kind of fiction. And so pulling on that genre expectation. I'm, And again, I'm not sure because I'm not familiar with that genre. But I mean, I can see it in books one and two because books one and two are just like the same book twice, mm -hmm. the same book twice. And aside from like the bits of things that are thrown in there because she already had a plan, mostly self-contained. Yeah. But by this point, there's definitely like long form plot going on. Mm -hmm. that makes it weird there's a i don't remember where exactly it shows up i'm pretty sure it's in the second chapter there's a really like grim paragraph about all of the horrific injuries harry's already suffered in his life yeah at the age um, of what 14 yeah. it wasn't the pain that bothered him harry was no stranger to pain and injury he had lost all the bones from his right arm once and had them painfully regrown in a night that same arm had been pierced by a venomous foot-long fang not long afterwards. Only last year, Harry had fallen 50 feet from an airborne broomstick. He was used to bizarre accidents and injuries. They were unavoidable if you attended Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and had a knack for attracting a lot of trouble. Wild statement to make. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate, though. Also, there's, a, there's a through line here of like, oh yeah, I grew up being physically abused. I've been, like, in horrific accidents. Or injuries a few times. Yeah, it's fine. Like, yep. no, it, Harry, it's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is fine. Ugh. Yeah. Get this child a therapist. I know. Please. But at least he has Sirius to write to now. He does. He does. Which is really nice. I do like the implication of uh, both Sirius and then he imagines Dumbledore just being, like, on a tropical beach somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Great. Chillin', yeah. Which, please give me the Harry Potter beach episode. <laughs> we actually do have sort of a beach episode in book seven. Now yes. that it's... <laughs> anyway. Oh, um, yeah. I can't wait um, for 35 years from now. <laughs> read that. I know. Um, the chapter art for the invitation is the envelope that Molly Weasley sends covered in stamps, and it's very cute. So shout out to Mary Grand Prix. Best thing um, in that chapter. We talked uh -huh. about fat phobia and the starvation already, so we will move past that. Yeah, there's not much else in there's here. Not much else in here, except for the letter that Molly Weasley sends, which we've also talked and about. The about like conversation wise. with Vernon. Yeah. yeah, and the conversation with Vernon. Um, he gets permission to go, and then basically that's that's kind of the end of the chapter. Yeah, except I feel like for we have... E. What is the name of Ron's owl? Pig. <laughs> Pig. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's very owl. cute. It's Pig is great. Cute. Pig is great. We love Pig. Pig also has a longer name, which you'll learn in the next chapter. Yeah, I love Pig. <laughs> um, and I love Harry's reaction. Harry stared at the word pig, then looked up at the tiny owl now zooming around the light fixture on the ceiling. He had never seen anything that looked less like a pig. <laughs> <laughs>
I I enjoy the fact that like everybody makes fun of Ron's handwriting. Harry's like, yeah. I just can't read your handwriting. Is this <laughs> pig? Yeah, it's cute. Um, Hedwig's reaction is cute. She's like yes. extra on I top of Hedwig. her game because she looks down on Pigwidgeon. Fuck, I said his name. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, E. I genuinely did not mean to do that. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it had to be short for something. So yeah. Yeah, let's go into chapter four because there's a little bit more to talk about there. A little bit more to talk about here. Um, um, I think it's incredibly dumb that Mr. Weasley is made up, made off as a joke because he can't pronounce things. Like, uh-huh. that's the specific joke, which makes no sense because he's, like, incredibly eager to learn about, like, yeah. genuinely very, very eager to learn about Muggle stuff. He would get the pronunciations right. I also feel like... Not only would he get the pronunciations right, I'm shocked that as someone who is obsessed with this and who has time to do this at work and whose job is to rescue magical objects that have fallen yep. into muggle hands, yeah. he wouldn't already know these pronunciations. Like, he's obs- this is his obsession. You're telling me that he doesn't know how to pronounce this? Yeah. Also, he- people don't, like, this is a common uh, joke, I feel like, in writing where, like, it's a it's an easy way to make fun of somebody not knowing about something because they can't say it right. That Uh doesn't really happen. (laughs) Like, either... The only reason people don't pronounce things right is usually when the word is from a language that has sounds that... they don't, yeah. A language that has sounds that they don't have. Uh And so they're compensating... Or if they've never heard it said out loud before. Or if they've never heard it said out loud. But neither of those are the case. You know, wizards speak English with the same sounds, presumably... That muggles speak English with. There's no way uh-huh. that he would hear the word electric and be like echolectic or whatever he said, and then reproduce it in a way that's more difficult than what he heard. Yeah. <laughs> the only reasons that humans mispronounce things are a) they're a child and their mouth hasn't developed yet; b) the word is from a language that has sounds that they can't make; or also, c) eclectic is a they've word. never it, it is. Sorry, I just never noticed that before. It is. <laughs> that he actually says but a he different says word. It, yeah, but then he, he says, says it differently like, at different echo, time. Yeah, he says it in a very difficult way. Um, so, he says it in a way that I me. cannot pronounce. This scene is funny. I have, a, I have a follow-up question. I assume because the Dursleys have boarded up their fireplace that it's probably like with wainscoting and whatever. It's not just like boarded up yeah. in like an abandoned board kind like of they've situation. put wall board or whatever over yeah there. they put something like drywall or whatever i assume that means that they've closed their flue which is the thing that allows smoke to go up the chimney <laughs> and not into the living room and i understand that this is a magical fire when the flue uh-huh. powder is in it which is why the way why it's called flue powder i think is because of the flue that yeah, you open but when um, he just sets a fire he just sets a fire the Dursley's living room would immediately be filled with smoke. I know that this is such a tiny, stupid thing for me. Yes. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. But it bothers know. me. <laughs> it is, is it just funny. a regular fire that he sets, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when Hermione sets fire, like makes fire, she, she makes, makes blue fire. Smokeless fire. But yeah. I think this is just a normal fire. Anyway, it's a silly thing for me to mention, but it's one of those things that just like, are you, t- are you just, I assume that their, their living room is just filling with smoke as Mr. Dursley is like hurling valuable family heirlooms at Mr. Weasley's head and it makes the scene perfect, but also it's very real, funny, real done. 
Um, I hope it's good in the movie. I don't well, know it's it not is, in the movie. It's not in the oh. movie. Oh. Yeah. They don't do the Dursleys. The Dursleys are uh, not in the movie at all. Okay, I mean, that's that's correct. But also, <laughs> if they were to do one of the scenes, this would be the good one. They do the dream when Harry is actually at the Weasleys already. Yeah. Um, and actually, it works. It works real nice. Yeah, that's probably a better decision than what the author did. I will get to this when we re- watch the movies. Um, <laughs> in a million years. I do remember not liking the um, that they took the Dursley parts out of the movies. Really? Um, yeah. When I first saw them. I mean, that probably goes back to, like, the book faithfulness. Yeah, it's thing. probably just that, yeah. I was not critical of the Dursley sections of the books when I was yeah. a kid, so... Yeah, understandable. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the the, Dur- the Weasleys are late, and the Dursleys are mad. Yep. Also, to be fair, I also... You're traveling by flu, and you're half an hour late. Yeah, there's... I mean, okay. The, this is true to life, because there was a family I knew growing up as a homeschooler, there was a big family. They had uh, four kids and then a fifth very young kid. And they were like half in charge of our homeschool group. And the park where we held a lot of events was right across the street from their house. They would be half an hour late to those events. Like, (laughs) it's just, if you're a discombobulated, like, family in general, and then also you have a bunch of kids, it just makes everything a nightmare. Although I do think it would have been very funny if instead of flu powder, they had like pretended to be muggles and like come by bus or something. I think actually that would have made so much more sense. Yeah. Like, quick rewrite like, here. They're already pre- they're already like trying to pretend to be a normal yeah. like, acquaintance of Harry's. The fact that Molly's letter is ridiculous. So let's do a small rewrite here. Huh. Molly sends a letter to vernon but like follows by normal mail and follows her husband's directions of just putting one stamp on it and what it says inside is not like i'm sure harry has told you all about us and instead it says something like due to a change in the school schedule um harry will need to come with us for the remainder of the summer we hope that that's all right um we will be showing up at this time to pick him up and if you, like, have any objections, you can send it by OWL to X, Y, and Z. Because then, yeah. you know, he's not Between her and, like, Fred and George, they're definitely yeah. clever enough to come up with that. Exactly. And then when they show up, they show up in a ministry car. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. positive that... Surely the, like, muggle-dealing department Or, has like, one. in his car. He has a car. Mr. Weasley yeah. has a car. We've seen it. Another he one? He gets one of the twins to drive because they can drive. Wait, no, they don't have another car. I oh, think that's fuck. the whole thing that Harry says. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Okay. Before right. Anglia so lives like, in the forest now. Then they apparate or port key to like a block away. The point is that they get there and they walk up to the front door. We don't know what port keys are yet, Zoe. <laughs> yeah, but introduce them here. I just like. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, it's been a while. Mr. Weasley could have acquired another car. He could have and he should have. But I just feel like it would be a lot more interesting. For the Weasleys and for Harry, if they had followed along with what's actually happening in Harry's life, which they would have known about, and then they show up looking quote-unquote normal and take Harry away, and the Dursleys are appeased, mm-hmm. yeah. they can still do the stupid Dudley thing with the ton-ton-tongue-tongue-toffee if they want, because yeah. 
friend George is still there, right? Because, yeah, whatever. Whatever. But I actually think this would have been a lot more interesting. I think the candy that Dudley eats should not have anything to do with engorgement, but that's just me. That's the only time that we see that one. Yeah, Which, and I like, think it's because it causes people to choke. Yeah, and they're like, maybe we shouldn't do that, actually. Like, what if you just gave him one of the ones that makes you, like, hoot like a monkey or something? Like, why does it have to be another fat phobia joke? I don't know. I'm not sure that that one was. Yeah. I think that ton tongue toffee, which is really hard to say, is it's literally specifically just about th- the ton, the tongue yeah. being a ton. Yeah, sure. it's just it makes your tongue really, really heavy, which, by the way, makes you you means you can't swallow. Literally means so, you can't swallow or breathe. So this is like. Anyway, the point is, I think that this whole situation of picking up Harry is poorly conceived and executed, even though it's kind of a fun section. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just supposed to be a fun fiasco. Yeah, it's fun nonsense. Yes. Like she obviously put no thought into any of this. And it means it makes the the it makes the Weasleys look really stupid that Molly writes that letter in that way and that Mr. Weasley shows up in this way and I hate it when the Weasleys are made to look stupid because being poor doesn't mean that you're stupid and, and they, they sort are of very equate those things. Smart. They're really smart and you see how smart they are later but like you don't get to see that here, and it, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. They're cartoonish in the beginning of this book. Yeah. I mean, they're the butt of, like, every joke within the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in and, like, both by characters in fiction and in the text, they are a joke, which is uh, very frustrating. I do enjoy the line where Mr. Weasley comes out of the fireplace and says, very uh, nice place you've got here. As the usually spotless room <laughs> is now covered in dust and bits of brick, this remark didn't go down too well with the Dursleys. That's sort of all I have to say about this chapter. Poor Dudley. I feel bad for Dudley. This chapter made this section of chapters made me feel bad for Dudley, and I don't like to feel bad for Dudley, so. Well, it's not his fault the way that he was raised. <laughs> it's not. And I have complicated feelings about Dudley by the end of the series. Yep. Mm. Anyway, um... So there's that. <laughs> Ending on a high note there. <laughs> we're, uh, we're back at it. We're, we're back, back at, at it. it. Very um, excited for book four. Yeah. Me, I know we asked this at the end of our book three wrap up, but now that we've read four chapters, one of which was steepling finger mo- villain monologue, uh-huh. do you have any predictions for the plot, etc., of book four? This is the part, you know, if this were a mystery novel, like... There are hints, obviously, in these, in especially the first chapter, but I can't connect them to anything. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, I have a box of puzzle pieces and none of them go together. So who knows? I know, I still know that there's going to be a tournament arc and I'm excited for that. And probably a dragon, because one thing that we did not talk about that you wanted to bring up was the cover. Yeah. So we'll post a picture of that, but. So in the edition that I have, and presumably also Adela has, the cover is a very uh, spindly dragon breathing fire at Harry, who is on a broomstick uh, flying towards something shiny. And the American cover has Harry holding something glowing under his arm. And I will say the American covers, all of them are mirror imaged. So it makes Harry look like a lefty in 
every cover and he's not he's right-handed and it's oh wow i hadn't noticed that Um, (laughs) yeah they're all mirror imaged anyway it has harry holding something glowing under his arm and behind him are three people a very blonde-haired woman um a very roman-nosed man and a very sort of boring uh schoolboy looking guy there's a crowd in the background a dementor some spider legs um what looks like serious as padfoot and then on the back which is a continuation of cover there is a hand holding a goblet with blue flames a very large ant-looking head, which I think is supposed to be the head of a dragon. No, I think it's the blast-ended Scroot. Oh, it's a blast-ended Scroot. Okay, so it's a blast-ended Scroot's head. <laughs> what a and name. The body, <laughs> I know. The body of the dragon is sort of going across the front spine and back covers with a wing. And then in the background of the back cover is uh, a pegasus pulling a bright blue carriage. And there's sort of hedges all along the back cover. And there's some red eyes peeking out of the hedges. It's extremely busy. This is it's very easily chaotic. the busiest cover of all of the American covers. And I don't hugely love the American covers. Um, they're not my favorite. But uh, my favorite aspect of the American cover, if you guys look at the picture that I put into the general channel, um, above the E in Goblet of Fire, there's a little flame. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's uh, a very busy cover. I do like the art style. And it's very consistent. And you can sort of watch him grow up across the covers, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I just looked Um, at the back of the British edition, and it's... uh, I don't know if this connects to the book, but it's just a stairwell with a a suit of armor and one of the ghosts. Yeah, I think it's the Fat Friar. And Hedwig is sitting there, looking very cute. Hedwig is very cute. God, Adela, I have never thought of that as being the blast ended screw i thought it was a, a very poorly drawn <laughs> dragon head and it is totally a blast ended screw yeah <laughs> i mean that would be a pretty cool design for a dragon it would be a, actually a very cool design for a dragon but it's definitely a blast ended screw and um <laughs> adela is totally correct and you will meet the blast ended screws very soon hey adela let's do you and i do look forward and yeah look for without spoiling <laughs> yeah without spoiling <laughs> i mean i'm looking forward to luna yeah yeah me too. The character that uh, people say I am. Um, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to Ginny being a real person again. Mm, yes. Um, which she starts to be in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness. I'm looking forward to Luna. I, I miss Luna. Um, there's so many reasons why I think book six is going to rise in my estimation, but I think Luna <laughs> is a big part of that. I know yeah. we're far from oh, there. But... Yeah. And I think... Um... <laughs> I think I'm looking forward to rereading the sections of with Hagrid in this book. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. This is the book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I also think I'm, I'm really looking forward to E's reactions to uh, the midwinter piece Events. of this uh-huh. tournament. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that there's a it lot to look good. forward to. Yeah, um, but as as both Dale and I said, Luna's in this book. Fuck yes, that. love. Hopefully, her. many of the upcoming sections will be more positive than this one. I think. Speaking they will of be. which, um, as I mentioned in the breakdown in the in the book three wrap up, we've broken down book four differently. Um, it's irregular. It's just so long. So next episode will be three chapters, chapters five through seven, if you are reading along. And we will probably start to do our Pottermore Wizarding World pages again there. 
Um, maybe something about the Quidditch World Cup. We'll see. But when there's new that stuff to, for, to talk about. Yeah, yeah there, there wasn't much uh, for this particular section. So, Man, if only you. we could read the Quidditch World Cup pages. I know. But there's so many spoilers. <laughs> so many spoilers. I might also uh, scan some pages from Quidditch Through the Ages. Ooh, oh, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. And we might do some of that. Because this is also, we're talking about sort of the extraneous writing outside yeah. of the canon and sort of whether it belongs and whether it's useful and whether it's stepping on fandom toes. Um, so I feel like Fantastic Beasts, Tales of Beetle the Bard, and uh, Quidditch the Ages are totally fair game in that. So maybe we'll do some of that. But also, um, if you are listening, if you have suggestions for Pottermore pages, uh, sorry, Wizarding World pages. No, Pottermore if Pottermore pages. <laughs> or if you have any of them that don't exist on the Wizarding World site archived or know where they are, if you could either DM myself or Adela on Twitter yes. or on, message us on Tumblr or on Discord, if you have our Discord, you can also find me at Zoe9400 on Discord. You could send them to us, um, especially those archived ones that just disappeared when they changed platforms. That would be great. But also, if you just have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Or like if there's a Pottermore page that you're like that we you want us to you want us to yeah. react to it. Yeah, it doesn't send, have to be that? it doesn't have to be related. Yeah. yeah, and we are going to, like, mostly go to related ones yeah. when we are choosing them. But if there's something that you want us to react to that maybe has to do with an earlier book that we didn't cover or that doesn't have too many spoilers, send them to us. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. All righty. So thank you for listening. I have been E. You can find me on Twitter at CEL10E. I'm Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aradella, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. I'm Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And uh, you can buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are found. And if you live in Glendale, Arizona, or you want to attend a virtual Jane Austen panel, um, there will be one on November 7th. And there's some wonderful pre-recorded panels um, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to learn more about Jane Austen fandom, um, which is obviously something that I'm very passionate about and which has a similarly complicated history. Um, very different, but in some ways sort of similarly complicated to Harry Potter. Uh, you can find the show accounts on Twitter and Tumblr at Potternot. And you can find more music by Morgan Jackson, who did our theme, at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing on this journey with us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>